0: Washington, D.C., this is on the ground. As more than 12,000 Palestinians have been killed in Israeli attacks and Gaza's largest hospital is raided, the international call for a ceasefire grows louder.
1: We must understand the urgency of this moment, not on our watch where we co-sign what we know is a war on babies. This right to defense does not mean a right to kill indiscriminately.
0: Also in this month's episode of The F Word on Fascism, more lawsuits charge Israeli and American leaders with genocide, and activists in the U.S. face repression of civil rights and attacks by police.
2: We just came here for a peaceful protest, and immediately we see something that looks more like a fascist state, honestly, um, a massive police presence, shoving, pushing people on the ground, tear gas, when all we want is a ceasefire. All we want is peace.
0: All that and more. Coming up. This is On the Ground, on the ground voices of resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Averam. In a major escalation of its assault on Gaza, Israeli forces invaded and began ransacking the besieged territory's largest hospital, the Al-Shifa Hospital, on Wednesday, November 15th. Soldiers reportedly invaded wards, including the departments for dialysis, surgery, and maternity, while continuing to cut off the facility from electricity, fuel, food, and water. One doctor described a harrowing scene of Israeli soldiers shooting anyone who moved, while displaced persons taking refuge there reported that scores were stripped of their clothing, blindfolded, and taken to unknown locations. Ali Abu Nima, editor of Electronic Intifada, reported on Israel's long focus on al-Shifa.
3: Israel wants you to believe the following propositions. First, that Hamas is stupid enough to use a bunker that Israel itself built and therefore presumably knows everything about. Second, that Hamas is stupid and careless enough to keep using this bunker, even though newspapers in Israel and the United States have for years published its precise alleged location. Third, Hamas is still using so-called underground military infrastructure under Al-Shifa that Israel claims to have destroyed more than two years ago. Yes, you are supposed to see believe that the same Hamas that managed to take Israel completely by surprise on October 7th in a sophisticated military occupation that destroyed Israel's southern command is dumb enough to hide its most valuable assets in exactly the place Israel says it is. I know it all sounds ridiculous, and it is, but the Israelis are used to having an easy time. The Biden White House apparently believes them, or is at least cynical enough to play along with their lies, and American and other Western media follow suit. Recall that a few days ago, Israel committed another war crime when it raided the Rantisi Children's Hospital in Gaza City, armed with its usual lies about Hamas bunkers under the medical facility. Even though it found absolutely nothing to corroborate those claims, that did not stop Israel's military spokesman Daniel Hagari, putting out a ridiculous video, and I'm not exaggerating here, claiming that a wall calendar, a baby bottle, a hospital gown, and a bag of diapers were proof of Hamas activity. Let's watch a little clip of it together. You're now entering into the room where we suspect the hostages were being held. I want you to look at this room. People are putting curtains with nothing above, just wall. No reason to put here a curtain, unless you want to film hostages and deliver movies. And I will show you more evidence. In this room, there is a list. This list, in Arabic, says, we are in an operation. The operation against Israel, started on the 7th of October. This is a Guardian list, where every terrorist writes his name, and every terrorist has his own shift guarding the people that were here. Of course, uh, that alleged list of Hamas terrorists didn't contain any names at all. It was simply a wall calendar. And I like how uh, Hamas uh, supposedly took the time to carefully hang those pleated curtains that uh, were so uh, neat and so uh, properly organized that uh, my own mother would be proud of them.
0: Contrary to Israeli claims, al said that IDF forces failed to find what they claimed was a Hamas command center inside the hospital and failed to find hostages being held. Israel's attack on al-Shifa, which is a war crime under international law, but is being defended by the Biden administration, is only increasing criticism of the administration Axios reports that an internal State Department dissent memo signed by 100 current employees states that Biden's support of Israel has made him, quote, complicit in genocide, end quote, in Gaza. The dissent memo says that Israel is committing war crimes against the Palestinians in Gaza and that the Biden administration is, quote, spreading misinformation, end quote. Also, the Center for Constitutional Rights filed a lawsuit on November 13th on behalf of a group of Palestinian human rights organizations, residents of Gaza and U.S. citizens with family members impacted by Israel's ongoing assault. The center is jointly suing President Joe Biden, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin for failing to, quote, prevent an unfolding genocide, end quote. Mark Vanderhout, one of the lawyers on the case of the law firm Vanderhout LLP, told Accuracy.org, quote, The killings and kidnappings perpetrated by Hamas on October 7th, horrendous as they were, in no conceivable way justify the massacres now being perpetrated by the state of Israel with the unconditional support and acquiescence of the United States. The courts must now force the U.S. to comply with its obligations under the law. End quote. We'll have more on these lawsuits as well as other civil liberties issues after headlines with historian Gerald Horn. And despite the overwhelming majority of Americans supporting a ceasefire, peace activists continue to be targeted with repressive measures. On Wednesday, November 15th, protesters were beaten and pepper sprayed by police as they held a vigil and demonstrated outside the headquarters of the Democratic National Convention. The multi-faith gathering included Jewish Voice for Peace, Christian groups, Harriet's Wildest Dreams and Black Lives Matter D.C. This is organizer Afeni Evans. We
1: were just brutally attacked
2: by Capitol Police. Somehow, some way, January 6th they did not do their jobs, but today they can do it. Today they can do it when it's black and brown people, when it's marginalized groups, somehow, some way they find the
1: strength to shell people down on and tear gas us peaceful protesters. We are peaceful protesters. At the end of the day, you see what the f- they're doing, you see what the f- they're doing. We are out here because there are 11,000 and counting Palestinian people that have been slaughtered by the Zionist regime, that is Israel. We are out here because we are tired of our tax dollars going to kill children in another country. That is why we are out here. And these pigs are part of the goddamn problem because they're the same let go over there and train with the IDF and look at them look at the way they act this is the militarized police force this is the that we do in America now just imagine what those children and those men and those women and those grandparents and Gaza are experiencing right now
0: on Friday November 17th there are national and worldwide actions scheduled for Shut It Down for Palestine. The DC action is 4 p.m. at Union Station. Information for all actions on November 17th and future actions is at shutitdownforpalestine.org. And finally, DC celebrated the life of longtime WPFW Pacifica radio producer, the Reverend Sandra Butler Truesdale, on November 15th at the Kennedy Center's Terrace Theater. Butler Truesdale was a founder of the organization DC Legendary Musicians, a nonprofit organization that preserves, protects, and promotes the artistic legacy and well being of Washington, DC's professional musicians. She was also a longtime organizer and advocate for housing and health care for senior citizens. The celebration was held on what would have been her 84th birthday. She is survived by her daughter, Tanya Butler Truesdale, Esquire and her grandson, Logan Butler Henderson, along with countless friends, colleagues, and those she mentored. And those are headlines and happenings. Stay with us.
4: Some of y'all think it's a trend, a fascist statement. Disgustingly, I spit on the pavement. It's basic. Y'all know I bang for my flag. My ain't no rag. The kofia ain't no scarf. It's a part of the movement. The symbolism is resistance. No coincidence that you can see the RBG in it. Cable, need the bandera. Ain't it beautiful? I say it in Spanish. It's solidarity. The feelings is mutual. Meanwhile, Haas, that's M1 in Arabic. I'm pro Palestinian. Does that make me a terrorist? You can catch me in Gaza, and hype in Haifa. Or Ramallah, but I'm still just Mutulu Olubala. So when I rap a Shaja, we rhyme with our middle fingers up to the Zionists, cause we don't give up. F- it's justice. So tie that thing around your head and ride, wave it in the air, and let me know what side you want. Ooh, yeah. The Kofir's out.
0: This is On the Ground, OnTheGroundShow.org, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. I'm Esther Averam. And now I'm joined by our geopolitical analyst, Professor Gerald Horn, Moore's Professor of History and African-American Studies at the University of Houston, and the author of more than 40 books, including two recent collaborations, I Dare Say, and Acknowledging Radical Histories. Welcome back to the show, Gerald.
5: Thank you for inviting me.
0: And thank you for joining me. Well, we have so much to shoehorn into our segment today, and it's really hard to know where to start because we're in this really historical moment. This seems to be a world-altering moment, and I wake up every day hoping that it's not a world-ending moment with the continued genocidal attack in Gaza, no cessation in sight, No demand from the U.S. that Israel stop its attack in Gaza, which has killed more than 11,000 people. Now, the overwhelming majority of which are women and children. And this week, there was a bold, blatant attack on uh, Al-Shifa Hospital and with the claim that there was a Hamas command center there and then the Israeli troops actually put their flag on top of the hospital. So I thought I would start here that the world has started to use the word genocide to describe what Israel is inflicting on the Palestinian people. I listened to comments from the UN official who resigned from his post saying that what was happening in Gaza is a textbook case of genocide. And he brought up the fact that really the genocide started in 1948. And, you know, the more I think about it, it's this impunity that Israel has enjoyed, not only in recent years, but over these many decades that it's allowed it to commit this genocide and state its intentions very boldly without any fear of consequences. So. This is also the third week of the month, and we haven't aired our F-Word segment on fascism in a minute. So if I can impose on you to tie in that as we witness this current attack in Gaza.
5: Well, you may have noticed the article in the Thursday, November 16th, 2023 New York Times by Mark Landler, drawing attention to the increasingly overheated rhetoric coming out of Israel, exterminationist rhetoric, eliminationist rhetoric. Rhetoric by leading officials that suggests that the Palestinians in Gaza are animals. Then Sarah Netanyahu, the spouse of the prime minister, suggested that that was an insult to animals. The idea of a Netanyahu comrade that perhaps an atomic bomb could be dropped on Gaza, obviously oblivious to the fallout (laughs) that could affect Israelis. And that sort of overheated rhetoric oftentimes is a prelude to worse actions. Certainly, if you look at the Rwanda genocide of April 1994, in the run-up to that horrible episode, there was similar eliminationist, exterminationist, dehumanizing rhetoric used against the Tutsi population of Rwanda. And inevitably, it seems to me that's it's going to bleed into the United States of America, and I'm pointing now to the rally that took place on in Washington a few days ago, where you had the so-called Christian Zionists, uh, who obviously are anti-Jewish, but somehow were given a platform by this pro-Israeli demonstration organizers that included, by the way, a Majority Leader of the U.S. Senate Chuck Schumer. House Speaker Mike Johnson. And then when Van Jones, the Black American so-called liberal affiliated with CNN, sought to speak about peace, uh, he was hooted down by cries of no ceasefire, uh, that is to say, continuing the bombing campaign uh, in Gaza. And I think that it's bled into the United States as well. If you look at what's happening on campuses, Columbia University in the city of New York has suspended uh, Jewish Voices for Peace, suspended Students for Justice in Palestine, which has brought a walkout by faculty. Obviously, civil liberties uh, in this country are being encroached upon. You saw the beatings at the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C., uh, pro-ceasefire demonstrators. Uh, that was quite concerning, and not to mention the rhetoric coming out of the presumptive nominee for the presidency from the GOP, speaking of Donald J. Trump, uh, who has spoken of opening camps for undocumented migrants, perhaps even for documented migrants, as a prelude to a mass deportation, not to mention using dehumanizing rhetoric against his political opponents, including the quite concerning term vermin, quote unquote. And so this is a very fraught moment in the United States of America.
0: I saw Medea Benjamin the other day, and I want to include a clip of her standing very peacefully at that pro-Zionist rally here in D.C. this week with a sign that says, Jews say, cease fire. And the amount of hateful vitriol directed at her was shocking.
2: I wish they will rape you alive. They will film you. And if your mother will be alive, they will send the video for your mother to see how you burn that's what I wish and this is if this is okay for you so I don't know what you made from to say, to wish uh, that it's I think we should torture you and your family
6: let's cut open your stomach take out your fetus and throw it in an oven
0: and then smell it while they torture
2: you and cut off your body parts house, and rape, just, and rape so you
6: they're make they're you naked really and drag out. you through the
0: street it really gave an insight into the mindset of the people there And also reinforce the wisdom of the Palestinian youth movement that had days before put out on social media, a post saying why we do not engage with Zionists. Because the level of hate there was extraordinary. And they were repeating a lot of the tropes that have been debunked. A lot of the original Israeli propaganda about beheaded babies and all that as they, you know, behead Palestinian babies with, you know, bombings.
5: Look at it optimistically, which I know is very difficult. Uh, perhaps the, these are birth pangs for a new order. Uh, birth involves pain, and certainly we're going through pain now. As we pointed out on these airwaves previously, uh, there's a sort of symmetry between the rise of the Anglosphere uh, centuries ago, which involved a compromise with the Jewish diaspora, which of course London had expelled at the end of the 13th century. And they were able, that is to say, London was able to uh, steal a march on its Spanish Catholic uh, opponents who, as you know, had been liquidating and uh, torturing uh, those who were Jewish, forcing them to flee into exile. And that compromise uh, then led to the United States being a backer of the formation of the State of Israel 75 odd years ago, Prior to that, of course, it led to the so-called Balfour De- Declaration out of London, whereby London, which it, in a sense inherited the colonial enterprise of the Turks who were on the losing side of World War One, and they promised a Jewish homeland uh, to the diaspora on, on land that London had a tenuous um, control over. And now we're at this moment in 2023 when the United States and U.S. imperialism is under severe pressure. There was the meeting this week between President Xi Jinping and President Biden outside of San Francisco, which is an emblem of this transition that we're going through. And what's happening now is that Israel is drowning. Its economy is seizing up. It's going to be heavily dependent upon U.S. taxpayers to bail it out. And at the same time, its genocidal impulse and actions in Gaza are worsening the image of U.S. imperialism worldwide, uh, easing the way for the rise of China. You know that the investigative journalist uh, Seymour Hirsch once did a book, The Samson Option, that talked about how in the final analysis, uh, like the biblical story, uh, Israel was willing to bring down the entire Temple of humanity, if it was seeing that it was going down. And that may be happening, but not in the way necessarily envisioned because the countries that have aligned with Israel, I'm looking at Morocco and the Abraham Accords, Bahrain and the Abraham Accords, their populaces are in the streets threatening the continued rule of those monarchies. And one could go around the world and point out the negative consequences of what Israel is doing, not only on the image of U.S. imperialism, but on world imperialism generally. So, let us hope that this is just a moment of birth pangs that are a harbinger of a new international order.
0: Well, something you said reminded me to bring up the point that not only did the British, the UK, create this entity that the you know Palestinian youth activists here in the NDC just refer to as the Zionist entity, but that when you really look at the last centuries, it was the European countries, England, you know, France, or Spain, wherever that really had this long tradition of anti-Semitism, whereas in historic Palestine, Jews. Muslims, Christians, all these people live together in relative peace. (laughs) There was not this need to have an an armed camp there, what Biden or whoever called it, our unsinkable aircraft carrier um, there. And so now, I don't know, it's more than ironic to hear the Palestinians Uh, referred to as anti-Semitic when this struggle has nothing to do with Jewish versus Muslim. I suppose, you know, touting Hamas has been the convenient ploy for Israel to make it a religious conflict, but it's not. It's over land, sovereignty, the right of the Palestinian people to their land and their lives. But something you said made me want to go to the next issue, the whole issue of birthing a new world, because we know on the northern part of Israel, the southern end of Lebanon, there have been these repeated clashes, you know, firefights back and forth between Hezbollah and Israel. People have been killed on both sides, and it seems to be only escalating. At the same time, there have been numerous strikes on illegal U.S. bases in Syria and in Iraq. And uh, by... Uh, Various militias in the region. You know, our media wants to call them Iran-backed militia, but they are obviously militia who are part of this broader, what they call the axis of resistance in that area that is determined to defend not only the Palestinian people, but all people in that region that have been subjected to U.S. imperialism. So when you talk about, you know, perhaps a new world being born or, uh, you know, the next epic Uh, I think that a lot of people are saying that this conflict is only ensuring that there will be a Palestinian state because there's either a Palestinian state or backing apartheid Israel and that the world at large is not going to tolerate the latter option.
5: Well, on that note, uh, pay attention to the fact that France now has issued a warrant for the arrest of the president of Syria for it led to depredations committed in his own country. Obviously that opens the door for universal jurisdiction to be applied by other nations, not only to prime minister Netanyahu and his comrades, but also to aiders and abettors in Washington, DC at the Pentagon at foggy bottom at Langley at the, entire complex in Washington, D.C. And uh, this should be taken seriously, not least because Algeria and Colombia apparently have made a referral to the International Criminal Court uh, to that end, that is to say, targeting uh, Israel. The International Criminal Court has an opportunity now to rescue its tattered reputation for going disproportionately After leaders in Africa or leaders of formerly socialist countries, like the components of the erstwhile Yugoslavia, uh, by being serious and going after war criminals in Israel, and once again, their aiders and abettors. And then the Center for Constitutional Rights in New York City has filed lawsuits uh, basically seeking to compel the U.S. administration to comply with the Genocide Convention, uh, which It likely will not do, which then becomes more grist for the mill with regard to this uh, ICC referral. This brings us to the unrest, not only in the United States in terms of Jewish Voices for Peace, in terms of uh, dissent letters from State Department bureaucrats, in terms of what happened at the National Book Awards uh, this week when a number of authors uh, made a statement calling for a ceasefire. But also, once again, in France, where diplomats from North Africa and West Asia have been pressing uh, President Macron, which may have had impact because this week he came out uh, in a statement castigating the killing of infants and children and others uh, in historic Palestine. You should also uh, make reference to The visit to Washington of the president of Indonesia, um, President Widodo, the largest predominantly Muslim country on planet Earth. He was en route to San Francisco for the aforementioned uh, summit of Asia Pacific nations. And he, too, pressed Mr. Biden publicly uh, with regard to being more vigorous and coming out for a ceasefire. And then there are the splits on the right. Uh, I'm sure you you recall Candace Owens, the black woman flamethrower, a comrade of Yay Kanye West, uh, of the infamous uh, White Lives Matter T-shirts and dalliances with neo-Nazis. She's under attack from her inner right wing circle for not being sufficiently hawkish uh, with regard to support of Israel, uh, particularly from one who had been thought to be her closest comrade, speaking of Ben Shapiro. And then there are these other right wingers who are not necessarily on board uh, with regard to uh, this pro-Israel policy. I'm surprised the U.S. press hasn't paid more attention to this. Not only speaking of Tucker Carlson, the former Fox News host, but Colonel McGregor, the former Trump military aide, Judge Napolitano, the former Fox News uh, commentator Larry Johnson, the former CIA analyst. The list a lot of
0: former's in those titles. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
5: Well, of course. And this also needs to be paid attention to because what it signifies is a kind of fracturing at the elite level, particularly at the right-wing elite Mm -hmm. level, uh, which does not bode well for continuing support by the U.S. administration of this Israeli war on civilians. And once again, hopefully that is good news.
0: I want to draw together the facts of genocide and fascism because for most of my lifetime, those two words have been associated with the Holocaust perpetrated by Germany against Jews during World War II, Jews and other groups, including Roma and other people as well, against 6 million Jews, as far as I understand, right? And so... Israel has been able to weaponize the memory of the Holocaust. And and Jewish people have been pointing this out. They have been pointing out the hypocrisy. They've been saying, not in my name, don't evoke the memory of the the death of people in my family, you know, my my mother, my grandmother, to perpetrate a new Holocaust, right? But Israel is still doing this. And and it may be instructive for a lot of people because Even before October 7th, people have been saying, well, Israel is doing to the Palestinians what was done to them. And now it's ramped up by many degrees in Gaza so that you see this slaughter, this, uh, genocide of, of the population. And so I guess I'm, I'm wondering, you know, as you look at this, it seems like, You know, Israel is not, you know, heeding any attempt at a ceasefire. There are some talks right now that there may be a prisoner swap in return for a ceasefire, uh, for days or whatever. But so far, Israel is not heeding any calls by millions, billions around the planet for a ceasefire. The United States isn't able to flex or no, they are not willing to flex any muscle to call for a ceasefire, though they did for the first time at the UN abstained in the Security Council in terms of a mild resolution for a humanitarian pause. And people in Gaza who are under the gun are are like mocking this idea of a humanitarian pause, but I won't go into that. But I just wanted to get your thoughts about the relationship between this evoking of the Holocaust and what's happening now. And just how that is an education for the public.
5: It certainly is. I've already made reference to the troubling history of Rwanda, but I would be remiss if I failed to point out some of the missteps of the U.S. left. That is to say, as a close student of the U.S. left, what I find striking is that particularly in the first half of the 20th century on the U.S. left, there was a searching critique of Jewish nationalism. There was a searching critique of Zionism. There was a searching critique of the Bund, the Jewish Bund, which was seen to be an embodiment of those ideological trends. But what I've noticed- in What the United- is that
0: word you're using? I'm sorry, the oh, Bund?
5: indeed just organization. Oh, okay. And what, what I find uh, striking about the United States uh, in recent years is that there have been critiques of Israeli depredations, but not necessarily going to the root on the part of the U.S. left. The U.S. left is much more prone to do a critique of uh, black nationalism, for example, and come up with these buzzwords. As I pointed out to you some weeks ago, you would be characterized as an identitarian, for example, because- Okay. You Not closest. some
0: specific charge that you heard, but you were just using me as an example.
5: <laughs> right, exactly. And um, whereas an exclusivist polity based upon a religious and ethno religious identity, that descriptor of a denitarian is rarely, if ever, applied to them. And that's part of the weakness ideologically uh, of the US left. But fortunately, uh, once again, there are hopeful signs. Uh, That is to say, you may have noted that just a few days ago, there was a meeting in Saudi Arabia of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation and the Arab League, 57 nations strong. There were strong statements. Let's hope for stronger action. Uh, Lurking in the background was the idea of an oil boycott uh, of Israel and the United States. Recall the last time that happened some decades ago, there were lines stretching around the block for cars trying to get a trickle of gasoline. Recall as well that just this past week, there have been demonstrations, raucous demonstrations, at the ports of Tacoma and Oakland on the west coast of the United States. Uh, The protesters had reason to believe that military materiel was being shipped to Israel, and they were trying to shut that down. And speaking of shutting something down, the Israeli economy, as noted, is seizing up. Uh, The battlefield losses have not been adequately reported, at least on this side of the Atlantic, the Israeli battlefield losses. And it's led to questions. I mean, for example, uh, the Israelis, as you suggested at the top, are suggesting that in some of the civilian facilities in Gaza, that they lead directly to tunnels where Hamas fighters can be found. Well, then that raises the question Why the Israeli authorities have not entered these tunnels and tried to rescue these hostages, uh, which we are told is a reason uh, for their brutal uh, invasion of that territory. Uh, I think part of the reason is that the Israeli military uh, is probably overrated. It's difficult for any military that's predominantly comprised of draftees and conscripts to be the kind of battle hardened fighters that usually prevail in war. And that, of course, leads to Israel privileging these tanks and armored personnel carriers. But somehow, uh, Hamas has been able to get its hand up on anti-tank missiles. The scuttlebutt is that they have come from Ukraine um, because of the corruption of that country. That is to say, the United States ships the uh, weapons to Ukraine, and then they end up on the black market and wind up in Gaza which has led some to suggest that the United States should just cut out the middleman and just send the weapons directly to uh, Gaza, to Hamas. (laughs) But in any case, uh, this bespeaks the crisis of the Israeli state, uh, which is dragging down U.S. imperialism at the same time uh, to the detriment of both, uh, which may be once again auguring the rise of a new international situation.
0: So I know you mentioned the meeting of the Arab countries and it reminded me of the, of some reports, speculations, I don't know, theories about the so-called Ben-Gurion Canal.
1: Mm -hmm, That mm
0: -hmm. much of the conflict right now to displace Gaza, to destroy Gaza is in an effort as part of a larger effort by the U.S., in Israel, to clear that land, to create a canal that goes basically from the Red Sea, I believe, to the Mediterranean. And uh, it cuts through Israel. And it would be a canal that would basically displaced the importance of the Suez canal in Egypt and the various routes that are now controlled by Iran and other uh, Arab countries in that area. And you know that just maybe a year or so ago, when a barge was stuck in one of these straits, it just created this total bottleneck for all international travel until the barge was unstuck from this narrow strait. So, I want you to talk about that and also the idea that off the shore of Gaza, there are huge natural gas reserves and that by uh, clearing the people of Gaza and clearing that area, Israel wants to try to lay claim to that those resources and if not uh, legally access them, steal them. Like, you know, the U.S. has been stealing oil and wheat in Syria.
5: Well, with regard to the latter point, uh, Chevron has been heavily invested in those natural gas fines off the coast of Israel and Gaza. Uh, protesters may want to target that particular corporation, which also, by the way, is involved, along with Exxon, In this territorial dispute, which we need to keep a close eye on, I'm speaking of the territorial dispute between Ghana, excuse me, Guyana, the northern coast of South America and Venezuela, with the latter uh, claiming a good deal of Guyanese territory with oil fines. Uh, Chevron and Exxon are in the middle of that dispute, uh, which could erupt at any moment. But with regard to the so-called Ben-Gurion Canal, uh, which has been touted uh, by some in Israel, uh, it would obviously be a blow against Egypt, which garners billions from the Suez Canal. Uh, Egypt, uh, in Israel's estimation, has not been playing ball with regard to this present post-October 7th crisis. It has not acquiesced to the idea that Palestinians should all be deported to the Sinai Desert, which uh, Egypt controls. Uh, Israel thought Egypt would be more cooperative since Hamas is an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. Recall that General al-Sisi came to power a few years ago by dislodging Mohammed Morsi, who was a figure in the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. Uh, General al-Sisi also lectured sternly uh, visiting U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken just a few days ago. Uh, when he passed uh, through Cairo. And so, there are many stories now circulating concerning uh, ever more diabolical plots that could lead to the mass displacement, a second Nakba, if you will, Uh, that is to say, a second catastrophe uh, being visited upon the Palestinians. This time, the reasons not only being the traditional ones of Israeli expansionism, Grabbing more land, not least on the West Bank, but uh, also more mercantile considerations, that is to say, natural gas, uh, canal, etc. I should also make a point.
0: At a time of declining US imperialism, at, at a time when the US has engineered the decline of all European economies, basically with this blowing up of the Nord Stream pipeline and just this Ukraine project, they are in desperate need of a of a to control world trade in a way that they haven't before.
5: That is correct. Uh, this may be a a last gasp riverboat gamble on the part of U.S. imperialism and its problem child in Israel. Uh, speaking of the latter, uh, I should also make a point about the censuring of Congresswoman Rashida Talib. Supposedly, she circulated. Material that concerned the slogan, uh, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Now, what, what's curious about that is that the West Bank is on the river, Gaza is on the sea. So in a sense, that could be interpreted as calling for a Palestinian state, which even Mr. Biden concedes uh, might be uh, on the agenda. Or it could be interpreted as calling for a binational state. That is to say, a state of all the peoples of that region, uh, which many respectable figures are now clamoring for, or alternatively, it's hypocrisy on the part of those who censured her because Israel has no recognized international borders. And uh, it's de facto slogan is from the river to the sea.
0: Exactly. So (laughs) that was their first, (laughs) that was their first
5: slogan, right? Right. And and actually going beyond that, uh, if you look more carefully at their documents. So uh, once again, we see this rank hypocrisy in Washington, D.C., this time on Capitol Hill. Uh, We see it on college campuses where before when there were expressions of anti-Blackness, uh, students were told, black students were told to just suck it up. Uh, campuses are not made to make you feel comfortable. What are you, a snowflake? Uh, an insulting term like identitarian, for example. But now <laughs> we see the shutdown of entire uh, organizations like Jewish Voices for Peace and Students for Justice in Palestine to make uh, pro-Zionist students feel more comfortable. This kind of hypocrisy uh, cannot stand. And in fact, once again, speaking optimistically, this kind of hypocrisy is oftentimes the last stage of a crashing empire.
0: Okay, well, we'll leave it at that. I have uh, I've used your closing comments to extend this interview a couple of times, <laughs> so I, I will leave it there. But definitely, these are very, I was going to say perilous times. I saw Medea Benjamin the other day, and she said, you know, you know the saying, because we we're just talking about how frightening this is it's a scary it's a scary thing when you really see the uh the u.s putting um uh, what not just the aircraft carriers but the latest was a, a nuclear class submarine mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the region and uh so we were just talking about that and she said well you know the saying may you live an interesting time <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. but the, the saying is not May you live in the end times, you
5: know. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's not
0: that, you know. That's not the that's not the saying. <laughs> so yeah. but anyway, I will I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me.
5: Thank you for inviting
4: me.
0: It's that time of the year, and I know so many of our On the Ground listeners will be receiving solicitations for donations. And I want to remind you that On the Ground is a totally listener-sponsored show, and we are a not-for-profit. We are a registered not-for-profit in the United States. So that means that anything that you give is tax-deductible. It could be that some of us are in a position to be very generous and if you are, I ask you to please consider On The Ground in your end-of-year giving. The easiest way to give is on our Patreon page. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash On The Ground Show. You can also give on PayPal and find out other ways to give on our website, org. But if you enjoy the show, if you check out the show, if you enjoy what we're able to produce as this labor of love, please join with us and uh, be an activist with us. Be an active agent of articulation in these perilous times and support independent media because we only have you to rely on. So, again, Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and also OnTheGroundShow.org has links to PayPal and the address to send a check if you can do that. But whatever you do, know that it will be much appreciated. Thank
2: you. We're not a prisoner of our parents. 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 We're not a prisoner
0: we'll end this show hearing from some of those who spoke November 12th at a press conference including rabbis and members of Congress on that morning dozens of rabbis held an outdoor prayer service also calling for a ceasefire
2: to all the members of Congress who have signed on to this resolution we're grateful for your leadership for your bravery in working to save lives and to take this first step to true safety and freedom for both Israelis and Palestinians. I'm deeply honored to introduce Congresswoman Tlaib. We in Detroit are proud to call her Rashida. She spoke the following in a moving speech from the floor last week. She said, I'm the only Palestinian American serving in Congress, and my perspective is needed here now more than ever. I will not be silenced, and I will not let you distort my words. Rashida, we need you. We need you. We. We. We.
4: We will not let
2: them distort your words or defame your character. The signers of this resolution do not value one people over another, heaven forbid. And to say so is slander. To say so is slander which is a nevera is a transgression in our tradition. Last week you said, the cries of the Palestinian and Israeli children sound no different to me. Rashida means that. The resolution seeks to live that. It seeks to stop this horrific violence which only entrenches this ongoing nightmare. Thank you, Rashida. We We love you. I lovingly call
6: Rabbi Elena my Rabbi, (laughs) but I want to thank you all so much for your courage because I know it's not been easy. I know for me, my Jewish neighbors in my district, in the 12th Congressional District, I talked to one of my Jewish neighbors who's a leader in the Jewish community who said, you know, Rashida, my children are in Jerusalem. I said, my grandmother is in the West Bank with my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. We have more to lose if we don't get a ceasefire, if we don't move towards coexistence and towards understanding this violence is not making anyone safe. So thank you again. I am proud, incredibly proud to stand in solidarity with the rabbis here, the Jewish peace advocates here today calling for an immediate ceasefire and end of the violence. Thank you again for your voice and courage at this moment in time. While there are growing attempts to silence those speaking up for human rights, even in this chamber, fighting to save lives no matter faith, no matter ethnicity, should not be controversial. My colleagues must recognize our shared humanity, the value of human life. There are millions of people across our country right now who are horrified watching the government support collective punishment of Palestinians while the Israeli government continues to carry war crimes by cutting off water, food, and life-saving medical care. I know I've seen the stats. I mean the polling shows a majority of Americans, over 65% of Americans, including 80% of them being Democrats, want a ceasefire. They are also horrified. Horrified that our president is calling is calling on Congress to find more bombs that are being dropped on innocent civilians. Our movement for ceasefire is only growing stronger. I say this all the time, consistently to my colleagues. When they tell me that folks are coming to their offices, I said, it's not me. It's your constituents. It's your residents that are asking you to speak up and end the violence. We will not be intimidated. We will not be silenced. And we will not stop until we save lives. We will continue to demand a ceasefire, demand the immediate delivery of humanitarian aid in Gaza, demand the release of all hostages and those arbitrarily detained. Demand every American to come home. And demand that Palestinian people to live free from occupation. Mm, 11,000 Palestinians. Just like you, Rabbi, I know someone that knows someone that has been impacted by the continued killings, including over 4,000 children. I know Netanyahu and his extremist government are now saying that Israeli forces would take security responsibility for Gaza for an indefinite period of time. That's not about safety. The forced displacement of Palestinians began, as you all know, 75 years ago. The occupation has been ongoing for over 56 years. Perpetuating this illegal occupation will not lead to a just and lasting peace. We already know. We tried. It didn't work. The path to peace must include addressing the root causes of our conflict and ending the blockade and the occupation. Folks laugh. All the time when I tell my cousins, who are married to Israeli citizens, that coexistence so beautifully is even denied as they love each other, as they have children together, denied even their existence. To the calling again of a humanitarian pause, know this, let me ask you, please, as you offer humanitarian pause, how many more lives will be enough? How many more children have to be killed? How many more families traumatized and torn apart? There is nothing humanitarian about giving innocent civilians four hour break before they are bombed. We are calling for an end to the violence, not a break in the violence. humanitarian pause is not enough. President Biden, I hope you're listening. I'm consistent in telling this over and over again. You must listen to the voices of the majority of Americans who are calling for a ceasefire now. So today, again, please look to the majority of your Residents, many of which supported you. They're calling you to do what's right. End the violence, support a ceasefire now.
1: I want to thank everybody so much for being here. I'm a freshman member, I'm Summer Lee. I represent the 12th Congressional District in Pittsburgh, a town that is reeling from uh, one of the worst anti-Semitic attacks uh, in the history of the United States. It's a community that has been in constant grief, not just since October 7th, but much longer, since 1027. 2018 when i came into this job i had no way of preparing myself for this for the crisis of this magnitude but not just the crisis but the way that we are received in calling for common sense a ceasefire calling for peace calling for love calling for our shared humanity to be centered and when i heard that these rabbis were going to be here i like uh jamal and corey i also had rabbis who have taken issue with our stance so to be here with these Courageous, bold, rabbi speaking truth to power is medicine for my heart. Yes. because I didn't know a pain could exist like this, but it's a reminder to me that our liberation is tied together. We say it in the tradition of our black movements for liberation, that our liberation is tied together. So whether we're black or brown or Muslim or Jewish, uh, Israeli or Palestinian, here we are standing for our collective shared humanity and it is the highest calling of each and every one of us today and every day we are here together to hold the 1200 innocent Israelis, who were killed by Hamas. To lift up the 250 hostages that we are still, each and every one of us, still fighting to bring home. But we're also here because our hearts are big enough uh, to grieve those loss. I got it right here, don't you worry. <laughs> I'm a true millennial. <laughs> That's why I pulled it out in the beginning to come with. <laughs> but our hearts are large enough to grieve those lost on October 7th and every single soul since then, we can and we must also grieve the thousands of Palestinian civilians who have been taken from us. Every day the humanitarian crisis in Gaza is becoming an unmitigated catastrophe. You've heard the numbers and I will reiterate them because every time we say it, it is meaningful. 11,000 Palestinians have been killed, over 4,300 children. Babies. There are 2.2 million people in Gaza. 1.7 million of them have been displaced. That's 77%. Back in my district, I met a community member who had lost 49 members of his family. I've since met other folks. Another person who had lost 99 members of their families. And that number isn't even unique anymore. Hearing that isn't even unique anymore. There have been full bloodlines that have been erased due to the indiscriminate bombings. Nobody is safe. Critical infrastructure is gone. There are no more universities in Gaza. Houses and churches and mosques, schools and playgrounds, marketplaces, and hospitals have been targeted and destroyed. Hospitals. Hospitals. Just yesterday, Doctors Without Borders described the dire situation in Gaza. In the midst of the bombardment on hospital grounds, people are being murdered while waiting for treatment for their rooms that they came with. Three babies have died in the NICU. There are 36 more babies who are fighting for their lives because there is no electricity. There is no food and there is no water in Shifa Hospital. This is why we are calling for a ceasefire now. Yes, we right must now. understand the urgency of this moment. Rabbis and Jewish community members around the world are saying, not in our name. No. Not in our name. And my colleagues who are standing with us today are saying, not on our watch.
4: No, 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 no. Not
1: on our watch, when we stand silently by as our colleagues and the president authorize more bombs to Israel, but band-aids to Gaza. That's right. Not on our on our watch, will we co-sign what we know is a war on babies. Thank you. This right to defense does not mean a right to kill indiscriminately. This moment is now uh, the movement and the call for peace that we need a call to center our shared humanity and we are our nation's pro-peace movement. All of us who are seeking to build a future where everyone, no matter where they live, has the opportunity to achieve their dreams free from the worry of death and war and destruction. So thank you so much to the rabbis who are here with us today and who welcomed me and our colleagues here. Thank you for your courage and for your strength, I'm committed, we are committed to continuing this fight shoulder to shoulder with you for peace, for human rights, and for the fight against anti-Semitism here and everywhere that we see it, and for the dignity of all people. But let me say, we pray for the day where the line to speak is so long, because every single one of our colleagues is calling for a ceasefire, and every single one of our colleagues is calling to protect life, to protect babies.
0: And Representative Summer Lee of Pennsylvania will have the last word on this episode of On the Ground, ground OnTheGroundShow.org, voices of resistance from the nation's capital. Thanks again to Chuck Moriano for his coverage outside the DNC headquarters on November 15th, 2023. The Free Palestine Movement is continuing with actions, some of which are being held as we go to air on November 17th, You can follow these continuing actions at ShutItDownForPalestine.org and at AnswerCoalition.org. You can contact On the Ground, work with us, support us, and listen to all of our current and past shows on the website we maintain, OnTheGroundShow.org. If you like the show, let us know by liking us on Facebook or Twitter or Patreon.com forward slash OnTheGroundShow. I want to acknowledge... One of the email messages we received this week from Onam in Virginia, who wrote in part, "I pray you and Gerald Horn continue to hold up that banner of truth and justice." One love, O. Well, thank you, Onam, for your faith in us and for writing us. Anyone listening to the show can write us at contact at show dot org, and we so appreciate it. And we hope to be able to shout you out on the show. Our podcast is On the Ground with Esther Averam and that's on all your podcast platforms, including Google, Apple, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all the platforms. Our theme music is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm Esther Averam Until next time, keep raising your voice. Peace.